Welcome to The Secret Life of Dietitians. I'm Laura Poland. And I'm Amy Keller. One of the uh, joys of being a dietitian is sometimes we get the most random phone calls. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I had a random phone call the other day that was very interesting. It was just really out of the blue. It wasn't one of my clients, and it was just somebody who said, hey... I answered the phone. They said, can I talk to a dietitian? And I said, okay, speaking, you know, and his question was, if I have a really healthy diet, I eat a lot of fruits and vegetables. Uh, you know, I, I really watch what I eat. If you eat a Twinkie, does that get rid of all those benefits that I'm getting from my fruits and vegetables? And, uh, it's a good question, right? But you have to think on your feet, right? <laughs> and so I I said, well, you know, and, and there's never an easy answer either sometimes, right? So it was kind of like, well, are you having a Twinkie every once in a while? Are you having a Twinkie every day? Are you having a Twinkie after every meal? <laughs> so that was kind of a fun question and, and – uh, he said, oh, and then he hung up and I didn't really even get to explain a little bit further into it. So, uh, you know, it was kind of unfortunate. So today we thought we would maybe kind of talk about some tips from National Nutrition Month. It's March. And we're, we're going to make each other think on our feet, just right. like we do when the phone randomly rings. So today it's going to be kind of lightning round. 20 health tips about National Nutrition Month. So March every year, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, which is our national organization, uh, puts on National Nutrition Month. And in that, of course, there's even a Dietitian Day, which we observe this year. But this year's theme, and it's a different theme every year, is personalize your plate, which I really like because just like your gentleman with the Twinkie, everybody's plate looks different. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. But we wanted to take on 20 health tips that they talk about in the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics website uh, for 20 health tips for 2021. But we wanted to do it lightning round style because just like you mentioned in the uh intro today, dietitians are often asked to think on their feet. Yeah. Um, especially when you tell somebody you're a dietitian, <laughs> you often get a question. Yep. Yep. What do you think about this? Right. So I thought these were great health tips. We will post them on our website, but we're going to take turns giving you 90 seconds of our best think on our feet. Yep. <laughs> so, okay. So I'm going to go first yep. and then we'll go next and we each have 90 seconds and we're going to keep each other on track. Yes. Time. Yeah. And we're not going to be able to get very far into things because again, just like the guy that hung up on you after you said. Right. <laughs> they don't give you a lot of time to answer the question. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. So here we go. Let me know when I can start. All right. Amy, your health tip is eat breakfast. Go. Okay, so I'm teaching a class the other day, and one of the participants raises her hand and says, do we need to eat breakfast? 
And of course, this brings up everything with intermittent fasting and whether we need to do we need to eat breakfast at all. And it does seem like there's a study every other week that says breakfast is great. And then there's some that say breakfast is not necessary. You know, I find that when people don't eat breakfast, generally they tend to have more difficulty continue, uh, controlling their weight, but not always. This particular person said, I just feel like if I eat breakfast, it just sets me up to continue eating during the day, which is normal because we should eat during the day. Mm -hmm. But also she felt like it triggered her to eat more. Now, maybe that's just her perception of it, but it's very interesting. So one of the things that I think is important is to make sure you have a balanced breakfast. Protein, carbohydrates. If you're just eating cereal, you're going to be hungry. If you're just eating toast, you will be hungry. So add some protein to that toast. Add some eggs to that toast. Make it just like any other meal that you have balanced. Did I use my time? Perfect. You actually had 15 seconds left, but that's okay. okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> then one more thing. You know, if you find you are struggling with being very hungry by lunchtime and overeating, eat breakfast. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. All right. So it's your turn. Okay. Up here. And Laura's topic is make half your plate fruits and vegetables and go. Okay. So when I think about this, this is one of the most important messages that I do talk about with a lot of people is making your plate half of it fruit and vegetables or produce as we've talked about on the podcast before. But the reason this is important is because the fruits and vegetables in their whole forms have a lot of fiber. That's what I like about having them on your plate, not in your drink, right? Not drinking them. You want to eat them. They have a lot of fiber. They are what's providing us with a whole variety of fruits, or I'm sorry, vegetable or vitamins and minerals. <laughs> and one of the things that a lot of people approach with me about is that we're not, what do I need to avoid? What do I need to not eat? But a lot of times what's missing on your plate is what you should be having there. And a lot of times, if you think about it, it's your fruits and vegetables. So let's think about what you want to add to your plate. Excellent. You saw the time left. Do you have anything else? Oh, okay. Uh, it helps control blood sugars, cholesterol, and it will make you feel full and fill you up without adding a lot of calories, which can be very beneficial when trying to maintain your weight. Excellent. Very good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Amy. Watch your portion size. All right. So... I have a trouble with the word portions because I believe that portions can feel limiting to people, particularly if you talk about some of those old school tricks that we use about the deck of cards for the meat serving or the, you know, the tennis ball for the fruits or the pasta serving. It can feel really limited. Mm -hmm. So instead of maybe focusing on portions as I'm only going to you know, eat a very small portion of this macaroni and cheese or a very small portion of this, you know, casserole. Instead of that, think about how that plate is set up. Just like you mentioned in the previous tip, if you do half your plate fruits and vegetables, a quarter of your plate protein, a quarter of your plate whole grain, you really cannot go wrong. You don't have to weigh and measure unless you have a medical condition that requires you to weigh and measure your food. That is not a necessary thing and it probably isn't that helpful. 
So if we're thinking about portions, I think it's really important to remember that portions are just one piece of the puzzle. You know, if you think about if you're making good choices, if you're eating more fruits and vegetables, you know, and again, setting your plate up to have that half fruits and vegetables, you really just, you know, you can't go wrong with it. You know, and I think that's really, that's one of my messages. I feel like portions sometimes can get in the way and feel very restrictive. Perfect. You came in under, you had one second left. That was good. (laughs) All right. So the next tip is be active and go. All right. Be active. We've all heard it. We know how important physical activity is to our health. But just like our diet, I like to talk about being active as taking small steps. A lot of us think it's all or nothing with activity. We hear those those recommendations of 150 minutes uh, every week of exercise, 30 minutes, at least two hours and 30 minutes per week. And you know, if you're not doing anything to be active, that's not, you know, maybe the best place to start. Maybe you need to start more gradually. So maybe just 10 minutes most days of the week and then build up from there. That basically looks like ultimately 30 minutes, five days a week gets you to the minimum recommendation for physical activity that we know will benefit you. So That's the other thing is a lot of people think that it's overwhelming. One other thing I'd like to talk about with Be Active that you don't hear a lot is strength training. Muscle training is important. Two to three times a week, you want to throw in some lunges, some push-ups, some squats, because that will help you build muscle or maintain muscle more importantly, because muscle is more metabolically active and helps you maintain a healthy weight. Excellent. So, so one of my goals is to take my five pound weights to work uh-huh. and use them on my breaks because I find if I get home, I don't do it. Yeah. And I think right in my office and I'm, you know, and in either, maybe I'm even on a, like a webinar. Uh huh. On weight. Yeah. Yeah. I love doing that. Right. You can it work. Have to be complicated. It doesn't. You can work in that activity anytime. I know a lot of people who are taking a lot of walking meetings and putting on their earbuds and, yep. (laughs) All right. Oh, okay. I got to reset my clock. Okay. Get to know food labels. So the food label has changed. If you're not up on this, about five years ago, a revision was changed to the Nutrition Facts Panel. And of course, just like anything with the federal government, it took time to implement these things. And then there was delays and there was another delay. But now I'm pretty sure that all nutrition facts panels need to be updated. So if you're seeing some old ones in the grocery store, it could be that just shelf stock has not gone out yet. But one of the most notable things that I think is so great about the new label update is the addition of added sugars to the food label. What a helpful thing, not only for me as a dietitian, but for consumers to be able to tell in this particular yogurt, for example, there's going to be natural milk sugar, and we know natural sugars are unlikely to be harmful to your health. However, in many flavored yogurts, there's also going to be added sugar. And previous to this label update, it was very difficult to tell what was a natural source and what how much was coming from an added source. Now it is on the label. So you'll see total sugars, and you'll see underneath that includes 
X number of grams of added sugars. And I always say if the numbers are really close together, if it's 12 grams of total sugars and 10 grams of added sugars, that's a lot of added sugars in a product. They're pretty far apart, then it's maybe not so much added sugar. So very helpful for our new label. Awesome. I totally agree. It's so much easier on us dietitians to explain it now. So excited. All right. Um, Here's your next one. Okay. Next, healthy snacks. Ah, healthy snacking. This is the key for a lot of people. I think when you talked about missing breakfast earlier, a lot of people think that, oh, it makes me hungry throughout the day. And But you specifically said, that's okay. We want you to be hungry throughout the day. When you feed yourself throughout the day, it helps keep your metabolism running and, you know, burning calories, which is a good thing. And so what we want is to eat snacks because a lot of times we have big gaps, especially between lunch and dinner. There can be a huge gap. And if we eat a healthy snack between there, it can really help us control our dinner better and and be able to control our calories better. But a lot of us think healthy snacks, we don't think about healthy snacks. We think about snacking and we think about junk food. And so what I would encourage everybody to do is eat a balanced, healthy snack and not just a piece of apple. <laughs> we talked about this before. Have a piece of fruit and some protein. So you have like have a combination of carbohydrates and protein. So it's not just a piece of fruit that's going to leave you hungry in about you know, a half an hour to an hour. Am I good? (laughs) I like to call them. Yes. I I like to call them stick to your rib snacks. They're, you know, if you have just an apple, of course you're going to be hungry. Right. And that's okay if you're going to eat dinner in about an hour. But if you find yourself at three o'clock in the afternoon and dinner is not going to be until six or seven o'clock at night, you definitely need that stick to your rib snack. I like that. Yep. Okay. You ready to go for me? Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay, I'm ready. So consult an RDN. What does RDN? <laughs> Just a reminder that, <laughs> yes, we're registered dietitians. So often you'll see in my, in my alphabet soup after my name, as I like to call it, you'll see either RD or in recent years, RDN. So registered dietitian nutritionist. I'm not really sure why they made that change, although there's a lot of use of the word nutritionist by people who are not necessarily trained as dietitians. So utilize RDNs or RDs or whatever you want to call us. Utilize them if you need help with weight loss. Utilize a registered dietitian if you need help with food allergies or, you know, food sensitivities. Make sure that you're consulting the right person. Unfortunately, there are many people who give out nutrition advice who are not quite ready for prime time, as I like to say. (laughs) And of course, you'll often see disclaimers on websites that this is not medical advice, but it sometimes can feel that way. So really, the registered dietitian, of course, you know, I think sometimes registered dietitians are not exciting enough for people because we do preach moderation. We do preach the balance plate. We don't talk about crazy, strict, you know, radical diets. Um, And I think sometimes that doesn't sell. You know, if you go to the bookstore, often the books they're selling are not written by registered dietitians. So utilize one if you have them available. Awesome. Yes, I couldn't agree with you more. 
And so, yeah, that consult with a dietitian, just like that person picked up that phone. And that's why we want you to ask questions too. We'd love to talk about them here on our podcast. (laughs) We'll talk about that at the end. Yeah. Yep. All right. Here you go. All right. Follow food safety guidelines. Follow food safety guidelines. So the last thing we want is for our patients to get sick. So I can't tell you how often I've worked in group homes before where I have to go in and like audit a kitchen and make sure they're being safe with their food. And I think general population, we have a hard time understanding that that cross-contamination and when you touch raw meat, wash your hands and that type of thing, it's getting better. But I would just always encourage people, the biggest thing you can do is make sure that you're always washing your hands. You even want to wash your fruits and vegetables before you cut into them, even if they have skins on and you're going to just be using the inside of them. But most importantly with food safety, we need to talk about that danger zone. It's 40 degrees to 140 degrees. That is what we call the danger zone of temperatures. And so we want to make sure that your food isn't in that danger zone for uh, especially food that is tends to be something that has to be refrigerated regularly uh, or that has been cooked. You don't want it to be in that danger zone for more than, I believe, two hours of total time. And that's total time from your grocery store to home cooking whatever. Yes, I carry a cooler in my car, especially in the summer, because I often shop out of town, Uh and I put a cooler in the car because I want to make sure that those foods stay at an appropriate temperature when it's hot. That's why they recommend milk and dairy, last thing you get, you know, your cold things, and yeah. (laughs) All that time adds up. All right, Amy, what do you got for us for drinking more water? So this is one question that I get frequently. How much water should I be drinking? I've had discussions with colleagues about this because they say, well, we, we need to recommend eight glasses of water a day. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, there's also a lot of things that contain a lot of water that are not necessarily water. Of course, we want patients to make a decision to drink something that's unsweetened. But water isn't your jam and it isn't everybody's. There's some way, some ways to maybe sneak in more fluids without necessarily feeling like it's just water. So iced herbal tea, 99.9% water, you know, believe it or not, coffee, mostly water. So it doesn't have to just be plain boring water. Now, that being said, I always think sometimes it's how we serve ourselves water that makes it less exciting. So if you like a little flavor, cutting up some fresh fruit, I'm not even opposed to things like the, the artificial sweetener drops that you can put, put in water, whatever helps that water go down, even sparkling water. I think, again, as long as it's not sugar sweetened, can be a really good choice. So, and of course, do we need to drink more than water if we're outside and it's hot? Not necessarily. I really think sports drinks and the like should be reserved for athletes or people that are, you know, again, with a long session outside two hours or more. They need a sports drink. The most, most of us just need water. Awesome. Very good. All right. This is the toughest one, although I think COVID has helped with everything. <laughs> but we eat out less, we hope, than we've been doing. So, all right, here you go. 
90 seconds on get cooking. Get cooking. Okay. Yes. So for sure, I think we should continue some of the skills that maybe some of us have learned during COVID and continue to cook more at home. Hopefully you've noticed this yourself. When you do cook at home, you are in better control of what you're you're eating and how much salt you're adding to your food when you're cooking and that type of thing. And whether or not you can take the skins off a chicken and whatever you want to do or whatever you need to focus on, uh, definitely cooking from home can be a little more healthy. It can also be cost effective. Have we noticed that we've saved some money over the last year? Uh, so, but also just mastering some basic cooking skills is going to help you go and go a long way. So maybe taking a class or watching some videos online on how to cook onions, how to cook dried beans. I've been doing this more and more with recipes. When it calls for me to do something that's new or a new technique, then I will actually go watch a video on it, like how to cut a mango. You know, there are some great videos out there on how best to cut mangoes because it's not something you're necessarily taught. And if it's on sale at the store, you know, pick it up and don't be afraid of it and figure out how to do that. Very good. <laughs> I do think that we cook more than we did. And I think it's important. I think the more we can cook, the less we eat out. And again, like you said, cost effective as well, which is great. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Hey, we're halfway through. Yay. All right. <laughs> All right, Amy. How about ordering out without ditching your goals? So we are probably doing some takeout still, or if you are going to restaurants, that's fine. But it can be very difficult to eat out sometimes because the calories are not necessarily something that is maybe in line with what you normally want to do. I will say if you go to any chain restaurant now that calories are printed and should be available to you in a visible place, whether it's on the menu, sometimes it's on an app, um, sometimes it's on like a takeout board, they'll have the calories printed. And I have to say that's been very eye-opening for me, you know, and sometimes maybe I make different decisions based on the calories that I see printed. But other tips that I think are important for, you know, if you have a restaurant that doesn't have the calories printed, to look for those magic words. Look for the words like grilled and marinated and baked and broiled or steamed or roasted rather than creamed, fried, buttery, crunchy, those types of things that tend to indicate more calories. But then also remember that restaurant portion sizes are often double or triple what you normally would get. So don't be afraid to take things home if you can, you know, or even just split with the person that you're dining with. You know, I think splitting an entree is a great way to help control calories. You can even do an appetizer and an entree. But again, if you're splitting with the person you were dining with, again, it's a great way to handle it. Awesome. Perfect. Yes. I have noticed that the calories being on the menus more and more and more. The mom and pop restaurants don't have to do it because calorie analysis is, is expensive right. and time consuming. And if you're just like a single op, you probably are not going to have calories printed. Right. All the chain restaurants have to do. All right. All right. So the next one, enact family meal time. Ah, uh, okay. 
family mealtime really is important, not just for the fact that you're having a family meal. And that doesn't mean you're having a family meal at home. It can be wherever. It can be out even. But it's just having that family time. We are seeing more and more studies that show us how important that time is together not just to be having more nutritious meals, because ideally, yeah, you probably do. But at the same time, it really does help the kids and the parents interact and have better relationships. So setting off a regular mealtime can be very helpful. And I think that this pre- this pressure of this minute and a half is getting to me. Sorry. But I think I highly recommend family times and also just because it also helps the kids learn skills that they can use as they get older. I can't tell you and stress this enough how important it is to get your kids involved in the family meal, help them get involved, not just with the meal itself, but planning and then maybe cleaning up. But then once they get old enough, have them help prepare the meal. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And of course, I think every family struggles with the electronic devices. Oh, yeah. It's a time to shut things off. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And face-to-face conversation. We need to have more of that. (laughs) All right. In all areas of life. Yes, we do. True. Hey, Amy, tips for banishing brown bag boredom. This is good. So whether you're packing for work or for school, you know, thinking about how you can prepare a healthy lunch that does not necessarily get old and not say like the, 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 you know, the kind of having the same thing every day. Although my dad, I think ate a peanut butter sandwich and a banana every day he taught for 36 years or something like that. <laughs> but if that's your thing, you can do that same thing every, every day. That's fine. It's a great chance to use your leftovers Or even if you're cooking a meal and you know you're going to have leftovers, preparing those leftovers while you're cooking um, is a good way to handle it. But then also thinking outside the box and thinking about, I always love the idea of kind of a tapas meal. So whether that's some cheese and some crackers and some olives and some cut up vegetables, it doesn't have to be a big, heavy lunch meal. It can be something that's really several like little small things put together to have a meal. Again, as long as you're balancing that plate with some protein, some whole grains, some fruits, some vegetables, even some dairy products, it's a a good way to kind of think about, I can just put small things together. The other thing is, is if you find something like salads are not necessarily satisfying at meals, you know, if you find that you're hungry after having a salad, what's on your salad? Did you have protein? Did you have beans? Did you have things that are filling? Did you have nuts? You know, sometimes a salad is fine, but it can leave you hungry in the afternoon. Awesome. Yes, totally agree with that. Make sure it goes back to that balanced plate. Yep. Yep. It absolutely does. All right. So we've talked a little bit about this already, but I want you to take on more on how to reduce added sugars. Okay. So my thinking on this is kind of like yours on the whole portion control, kind of like you said. Sometimes I think uh, this gets something that gets in people's heads and then they think too much about it. Reducing added sugars is beneficial. We do know that they contribute to a lot of empty calories in our diets. And some of us, that's getting out of control. But do we need to be the whole police and worry about every little added sugar everywhere. No, maybe it might be better to focus on, you know, where it 
primarily comes from is beverages. So maybe look at your foods and your drinks with added sugars and see if there's a place there that you could cut back on your added sugar. Sugars are not addictive. People talk about that all the time. Sugars are carbohydrates. The body needs carbohydrates as its primary fuel source. So I don't believe in the whole sugars are addictive. And so it's important for you to realize that sugars need to have a place, but they don't have any, it's empty calories in our diet. So yeah, I want you to nourish your body first. And and every once in a while, having an added sugar is not a big deal. But where it comes out and be and it's most consistent is in our beverages. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with beverages because it's something that and I always think it's kind of a low hanging fruit for most people. Yeah. If you're drinking some sugary beverages or doing that on a daily basis, what a you know, that's a great way to just get started with healthier eating. Yeah. Hey, Amy, it's eat seafood twice a week. So I think some people struggle with seafood. I And sometimes it doesn't, even for us here, it doesn't necessarily, when I think about meal planning, it's not always in the forefront of my mind to think about getting some seafood in twice a week. If you don't like fish, sometimes I believe it's sometimes how it's prepared. So if you are still, and this is right, right where you were going back with your YouTube videos on mm-hmm. how to prepare things. You know, sometimes, I mean, I know it can be a turnoff with smell for people, but if it's just, I don't like how this steamed salmon tasted, well, maybe you'd like it grilled better. Maybe you would like it roasted with some vegetables on the plate. So there's lots of things that you can do to make seafood more appetizing. The other thing to remember is that seafood, for example, in the form of tuna, if you're always eating lunch meats, tuna is a great alternative to always having grilled turkey or or lunch meat turkey or lunch meat ham on your salad. Throw some tuna on there instead. And tuna can be really portable. Even those, we talk about that lunch that we talked about where several small things put together. Mm -hmm. A pack of tuna could be absolutely added to that for a great source of protein. It doesn't have to be sitting down to a, you know, a piece of grilled salmon or shrimp or whatever. People think that fish has to be fancy. And it doesn't. It can literally be as simple as a can of tuna. Awesome. All right. This is a tough one because it's Uh general. But think about how do I explore new foods and new flavors? Ah, okay. This could be a tough one for a lot of people. Like you said, the same lunch for 30 years and that type of thing. Some people are fine with that. Um, But when we do explore new foods and new flavors, for a lot of us, it gives us more pleasure. But it also gives us a variety of nutrients then in our diet and expands the nutrients that we're consuming. So sometimes I, I actually like doing this and... I like to explore new foods all the time. So sometimes I'll, when I'm looking for fruits for the week, I'll just kind of look for what's on sale. And sometimes I'll try something new. Uh, sometimes it's just a matter of uh, one of our favorite family meals is based on, I thought, I'm just going to go find a fancy pasta in the pasta aisle and then build a meal around it. And a lot of the pasta dishes or boxes have a they have a recipe. So I'm like, I'm just going to do that. I did gamelli and it became one of our favorite family foods. So, you know, you never know. So just it's 
it's I think it's fun to explore new foods and flavors. I would give you one piece of advice. Don't try to do more than one new thing probably per week in terms of recipe because it can be very overwhelming. Yes. <laughs> you know, I think when I teach about developing, you know, better habits in classes that I teach, you know, we talk about, you know, what's realistic to try a new recipe. And sometimes even a new recipe every week can feel overwhelming. Sure. Yeah. Just doing one every month. Think about how many new meals you can add to your rotation. Yeah. And just even just adding 12. I think we all have, you know, maybe hopefully a week or two of meals that kind of run through a rotation. Mm-hmm. But if you add another 12 in a year, that's fantastic. That's great. Yep. Yep. Okay. So this is kind of along the same lines, Amy experimenting with plant-based meals. So uh, a few podcasts ago, this is maybe several podcasts ago, we talked a little bit, we talked a little bit about being plant-based. And I think when people think about plant-based, they assume I'm talking about being a vegan or a vegetarian, and I'm not doing that at all. And in fact, you know, if that's your thing and you want to be a vegetarian or vegan, that's great. But I think you can be more plant-based without going all in. Maybe it's experimenting with something like a meatless Monday. Maybe it's experimenting with adding, you know, or just doing a vegetarian chili. Many recipes, there can some substitutions you can make. You can do just, you know, spaghetti with marinara. It doesn't have to have meatballs on the side. Again, it, I think sometimes when people think about plant-based, they assume that I'm telling them to be a vegan or a vegetarian. The other thing to remember is there are now many plant-based alternatives. For example, the burgers and the Impossible Burgers that we're hearing about. Whether that's necessarily healthy, I think, is up for debate. Again, if you are looking to reduce your meat consumption, they're a wonderful alternative. But nutritionally, sometimes plant-based isn't always healthier. So just because you're choosing a vegetarian item, you know, you know, for example, you know, candy is, you know, is technically vegetarian, you know, in, in most cases. So just being aware that, you know, vegetarian doesn't, or, or plant-based doesn't always assume healthy. Very good. <laughs> yep, we've done whole podcasts on that. So that was hard. <laughs> All right. This is even going to be more difficult. Uh-oh. Okay. Oh. How can I reduce food waste? Ah, Okay. I actually do have a lot of good ideas on this. I just feel like, you know, we, number one is if you're not a planner, at the very least, try to plan ahead a little bit. Find out what's in your pantry that's about to go bad. What's in your refrigerator, especially the fruit and vegetable drawer that you want to eat and and use up. Uh, There's Nothing, food waste is a big problem, but it also is a money problem, right? So you're wasting money when you waste food. So we definitely want to make sure that you're using leftovers and using those perishable foods and uh, freezing foods so that you don't waste them. And my problem is when I put them in the freezer, sometimes I forget about them. So, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways that we can look at food waste and start really paying attention to it. So going to the freezer, going to the pantry and going to your refrigerator before you go to the grocery store is huge and can really help with food waste. So. Yeah. One thing that I find is that sometimes I get to the store and I think, do I have this? I can't remember. 
don't yeah. know. Do you have that? Oh, moment? I do it all the time. <laughs> I'm sure I have black beans, but I right. can't be sure. Yep. So I'll buy some more and then I get home and I did. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's those staples that I tend to do that with. And I'm like, okay, if I buy another ketchup bottle, I'm just going to, like, I've got to stop. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Was it 40, I think the statistic is 40% of the food grown in the United States is never eaten. It would be unfortunate. And while there is waste on the production side, of course, uh-huh. the grocery side, I think most waste belongs to the consumers. Yes. Yeah. I, I think yep. that's true. All right. So, Amy, your last one. Slow down at mealtime. We're all very busy. We're all quite distracted. We eat standing up. We eat in our cars. We eat at our desks. We eat everywhere, sometimes except the table. Um, Slowing down, and this gets a little bit into being mindful, which I know sometimes is a tough concept, to be present and mindful during meals. But dedicating, you know, you, you dedicate so much other time to everything else in our lives. We dedicate it to our families. We dedicate it to our jobs. Why don't we do the same for ourselves with eating? We say, this is my time to walk away from my desk. And I'm the worst example ever because I eat at my desk almost every day. And it is not a great habit that I've developed. You know, I'm not so important that I can't step away from my desk for 10 minutes to eat something without email staring me in the face, um, where I'm distracted. I'm not necessarily paying attention to how things taste. I think we could also enjoy our food more if we slow down. Eating fast means you are literally kind of shoveling it in and you're not necessarily tasting things and realizing, oh, that peanut butter has great flavor, or I love the crunchiness of that cracker. So this is a tough one to get started with. If you're really, if it's difficult for you to have that moment to yourself, maybe just literally one moment, literally two or three bites of your meal eating slowly. Again, I think that can be real helpful. I agree. Uh, Slow down, enjoy it and stop feeling guilty over what you're eating and really enjoy it when you eat. Uh, That can really give you much more pleasure, I think. So with your meals. Okay. All right. The final one. This is a tough one for you. We're going to end on, end on a bang here. (laughs) Oh, dietary supplements. Dietary supplements. How should we supplement with caution? Okay. Well, first and foremost, most importantly, always consider foods first. Foods are better than supplements. We should be eating our food, our fruits and our, I do this all the time. We should be eating our vitamins and minerals and uh, we should try to avoid supplementing our diet. However, if you do have a deficiency, a dietary supplement may be necessary. Uh, that is something that you do want to talk with your doctor and or dietitian before taking. When you are out there choosing supplements on your own, you do have to be cautious. And if I don't have a lot of time to tell you anything about supplements, if you are out there and you do have to buy a supplement, just make sure it has quality assurances. So you're looking for like USP or some sort of quality control that's looked at what's in that supplement for its purity and content, because those are Things are not regulated. And so really, unless it's been quality assured, you have no idea what's in that bottle necessarily. 
<laughs> I think um, there's been a lot of talk about dietary supplements and COVID. Yeah. You know, whether vitamin D does anything. And I think it's kind of been decided that it maybe it hasn't it has. done a lot. It hasn't. It hasn't done a lot for preventing moderate or severe disease. Mm -hmm. However, you know, many people are vitamin D deficient and need a little help, especially in the winter time, mm -hmm. um, keeping their vitamin D levels up. So again, it's something to discuss with your doctor. Please get levels checked and don't just randomly start things because, yes. you know, some things when taken to excess can be toxic. So right. I think that's in mega doses of anything are never good. Yeah. So we have talked about supplements before on this podcast, but it's been a while. So I think this is a good one. We should do a deeper dive in. And so we'll be doing that in an upcoming episode and looking again at supplements and seeing what's new and what you guys need to know about that. If you have any questions about supplements, throw them at us because we're working on that episode. And speaking of that, we had such fun with this today <laughs> that we want more questions. Yes. So you'll be seeing posts on our social media about getting some questions, your questions together. You can even sort of play stump the dietitian. I will say we will probably prepare for that episode and the fact that I'll want to make sure we researched your questions well and we promise to do that. But you'll be seeing this in the coming days and weeks. We'll be asking for your feedback, asking for your questions, and please let us know what you'd like to hear. You can reach us at our website at secretliferd.com. Email us at dish at secretliferd.com. You can visit us on our Instagram at The Secret Life Dietitians or on Twitter. I don't even know why I say this because I never <laughs> update it at T Dietitians, but you, I guess you can send this message and I'll try to check it. <laughs> maybe, maybe I need to start helping you with that, Amy. <laughs> we thank you for listening to us today. Personalize your plate, observe what's left of National Nutrition Month, and we will see you the next time wherever you get your podcasts.